The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead, Dave. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead, Dave. Hello, welcome to Everybody is Dead, Dave, the Red Dwarf review podcast hosted by myself, Phil Hawkins, and my co-host, Adam Martin, the relative newbie of the two of us. (laughs) And um, we usually, if you're new here, go through every episode of Red Dwarf. We are currently up to the uh, Back to Earth part three we've just done, uh, the debut on Dave, the channel, after 10 years away, uh, then we're launched into a new era. But before we go into the Dave era proper with the Series 10, Series 11, Series 12, and they got back to proper series again, we're going to take a few more specials, take a bit of time to do a few more specials and look at some more auxiliary stuff around the edges of Red Dwarf. And one of those mm. things is the Smegazine. Yes, that's right. The The official magazine uh, companion of Red Dwarf, if you like, because it seems it definitely, well, it's not, I would argue it's not so much a trend anymore. I think the world's moved on, but certainly would you agree, Phil, in like the 90s, 2000s, it seemed if you had a hit TV show that was ongoing, you kind of had to have a magazine to go with yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't have a, a magazine to go with a TV show, you, you weren't a hit TV show, clearly. No. <laughs> I remember buying, well, magazines, so obviously there's Doctor Who magazine, of which is like the the top tier of uh, tie-in magazines that has been going for so many years now. What's 40 the 70s? plus years now. Yeah. yeah. And like no other, no other tie-in magazine can rival that. I've, I, in the past, I've bought a few issues of various Star Trek tie-in magazines. Um, there's obviously, I never bought this, but there's obviously this. I had some Buffy the Vampire Slayer magazines back in the day, but all of them kind of just, other than Doctor Who magazine, all of them just lasted like maybe a year or two, and then fizzled out? Yeah, like sort of through the peak of their show's popularity, perhaps, and then they just sort of, as you say, they fade away. I mean, yeah. how do we know how long this magazine went on for? This one, I think it was about two years. So the it was 14 issues for volume one and nine issues for volume two. So if they were monthly, mm. yeah, that's about roughly just over two years. Yeah. Yeah. Farewell issue was published, labelled Volume 2, Issue 9, and cover dated January 1994. So okay. um, it was launched in 1992. So yeah, about two years. I suppose that tracks out in the sense that after, of course, Series 6 in 1993, Red Dwarf did stop for a few years. So maybe they felt there wasn't as much in the... In the, but, and some might say, oh, but Doctor Who magazine carried on. But you forget, when Doctor Who went off the air, they had 26 years worth of content to draw from. Whereas when Red Dwarf paused, they only had about, what, five? Five years? Yeah. So, I mean, there's only so much behind-the-scenes sort of stuff you can do, really, isn't there? Mm, when you've yeah. only got sort of six series to work with. And then, obviously, there's the comic. And the comic is what we're going to be talking about today. We won't, we're not going to delve massively into the kind of other stuff that was in the magazine. I should say that the... Um, we, Part of the reason we're able to do this is one of our one of our listeners um, on uh, Twitter, TC, has mm. sent us the scans of the first sort of comic arc, which is called The End. It is the comic it version exactly of that. It is exactly what you think story. it is. <laughs> yeah. It, so it's basically a sort of, it's a comic interpretation of the of the first, first sort of episode, basically. Yeah. Um, and it was over three parts. So thank you, TC, for sending that. Yeah, thank um, you. 
we uh, and it's proven very handy because we were a bit stuck on what to do for today's recording weren't we we were like <laughs> we, we, well, we were. want to do some more specials but come a couple of the things we were planning on doing uh ha- we can't do quite yet because i haven't finished reading the novel and <laughs> we had another idea of something to do with the dvds and then i realized i don't actually own the dvds of series one and two <laughs> so we're doing this instead basically yeah so thank so you tc you're coming thing. you've come in clutch for us there yeah so much you appreciated helped us out the last minute there we literally decided to do this yesterday i think we <laughs> so, did um yeah so i mean the, they have the kind of behind the scenes articles you know interviews with the cast in yeah. these first issues there's interviews with chris barry um and an article called holly's amazing facts it's like a lot of i guess what you call not to not in any way disrespectful like standard magazine fair like you've got the mail-in pages where holly answers them in one of the issues like say you've got the fun page where it's like riddles or quizzes or questions and you know details of i think the first one they pre- they preview series five because of course that was yes up and coming at the time and they in another one, they talk about Red Dwarf Series 2 coming out on video, um, which, and did it really take, uh, just to touch on that quickly, did it really take that long? Because if this was 1992, Series 2 was in 1988, so did it really take the BBC that long to put these out on video? Yeah, I, You know, I think it did, because I don't think, I mean, if you think about VHSs, I don't think they really massively took off until the late, the very late 80s. So I think a lot of places were... Like in terms of commercial release, home video, obviously the technology existed, but it was very unaffordable as yes. new technology tends to be for a while. So it it was probably around about the this time, the sort of very early 90s, that VHS just became affordable for everyone to buy more than just the occasional one. Yeah, and they, in the preview for series two on video, they do that classic 90s VHS tape thing where obviously due to the limitations of the format, they couldn't put all six episodes on one, you know, one tape. Uh, but instead of, there was two tapes, but instead of ma- labelling it series two, part one or part two, they do that 90s thing of, they just call it whatever the first episode is. And Do, do you know what I mean? So it's yes. like Red Dwarf 2, Crichton, and then the second one is Red <laughs> Dwarf 2, Stasis Leak. <laughs> obviously i believe it has like the other episodes on there as well but i just love that they don't go for part one or part two they just they just label it the first day loads of tv shows did that back in the day i remember um but yeah so it's got a lot of that magazine fair really so i guess the comic strip was was the main unique draw for this one then surely to see these stories sort of be reimagined as comics or even sort of like you could maybe say a graphic novel sort of style perhaps if yeah it, if that was it but obviously it's part of a magazine yeah. And one thing I will, so so I mean, we can talk about different aspects of this. It's going to be a bit of different. We're not going to go through it beat by beat because it's the yeah. same story as the first episode, which you've already heard us talk about. So, you know, our thoughts on the structure of the episode mm. and the story itself, what we think of the story, because we've talked about it already. And there, and one thing to say about this is it is a pretty spot on, unlike the novel, a, a <laughs> faithful recreation of that first story it's not something that they've reinterpreted a lot of stuff in no i suppose if, if you want if you want the most faithful recreation outside of watching the actual episode then yeah this this comic is probably the way to go as opposed to the book which offers you as you say a different more expanded slanted interpretation you could argue so yeah so, something for everyone and i guess to launch a magazine maybe it made sense starting with just ad- adapting the 
the first episode? I suppose so. I suppose for anybody that, well, I was going to say for anybody that has not seen the show, it then gives you the background, I suppose, because they did go on to do original stories in the comic. They did this, then they did an adaptation of Future Echoes, then oh, they right. did some original stories as well. So I, I okay. guess it was to kind of give that grounding, maybe. Although it does make me wonder who would buy this magazine if you haven't and are seen the show and are familiar with the show. You probably wouldn't. I suppose so. I, I guess some would say maybe it's that thing kids do sometimes, like, you know, when you're at a shop with your parents or summer and you, you down the magazine aisle and you see and it's the cover that... Because let's face it... Um, when, we, when I was looking through these, the covers of these magazines look great. You know, it's all original uh, art, isn't it? Like, of like the crew and like in issue one, it's the, the main four and Hol- there's Hattie Hay- Hattie's head as Holly in the sky. Do you know what I mean? It's very enticing artwork. Yeah. So I, I could maybe say if I was a kid back in 1992 and maybe if I hadn't seen Red Dwarf or maybe I'd heard about it from friends but never watched it, maybe a cover like that would have pique my interest but like you say i think yeah the vast majority of the readership are going to be people who know what red dwarf is and probably i'm sure they enjoyed this adaptation but i'm sure they maybe didn't spend a longer time you know a long time on it because they knew they knew the story yeah and maybe one day we'll get around to covering some of these original comics as well that they that came up because that does sound that does sound kind of slightly more interesting to me anyway because it's something uh, it's a story i haven't seen and i've always had this kind of like with Doctor Who, I was never massively, I, I never felt a draw to read the Target novelizations because ah, right. I, I was like, well, I've got, I would rather read an original novel than, yeah. than just a novelization of a TV episode I've already seen. So I've got, I got a kind of similar feeling here. It's kind of like, well, it's nice, but it's, it's still the same old story. So to see, to read some of those original ones would be good. We don't currently have the scans of those, but if we get hold of them at any point, I'm sure we'll do some episodes. There's a whole, I think there's a whole load of like original, just basic Red Dwarf ones, but then there's kind of like some spin-off ones as well. There's, there is. There's Ace Rimmer, Space Adventurer, so more <laughs> of Ace Rimmer. I'm really interested in seeing those if we can get hold yes. of those. Um, the Amusing Misadventures of Mr. Fib- Flibble. Now that's got my interest. <laughs> and there's yeah, five of those stories. So I'm really looking forward to seeing those at some point. And then there's, yes. can you remember the Australian Android um, <laughs> yes. soap opera Android? Yes, I do. Oh <laughs> yes, there's twenty. I know. I'm, I'm just looking at the list. There's there's quite there's quite a lot of those. Yep. Um, Dwayne Dibley has his own comic in this. He does. Uh, Gelf, Gelf World. World. <laughs> Jake Bullet, who is of course um, uh, Crichton's character in it. the uh, kind of back to reality VR world. Well, when they've been affected by the despair squid, isn't it? But um, yes, yeah, yeah, he's that's his character from that kind of imaginary world. The two Inquisitor stories, the Scutters get their own story as well. They do. Um, and looking right at the bottom of this wiki page, there is apparently a comic strip uh, for the Red Dwarf USA, which we haven't Ooh. watched yet. But we're going to do a special on that at some point as well. I know. And funnily enough, in one of these magazines, I believe it's issue two, there's actually one of the articles is Red Dwarf USA saying, oh, how exciting, like following in the footsteps of 
all these other programs that, you know, went stateside. There's a special US version of Red Dwarf being made. It's currently at the pilot stage. And I'm like, ah, right. Is yeah, and it the... won't be getting any further. <laughs> it won't be going any further than that. And probably will never be touched upon in the, mag- <laughs> the magazine ever again. Yeah. But um, yeah, so, in, you know, interesting bit of Red Dwarf history in there. To dive yeah. Into. So if you have scans of, of any of these other comics uh, that came later, do let us know. But we are just covering yeah. uh, the end today. So, or if you have them in your attic and yeah. you, know, you feel like donating them, then we will we will happily receive Absolutely. them. Absolutely, get and in read contact them. on Twitter at all Please Dead do. Dave Pod. Um, so, what do you think about the art style of this? Then let's talk about a bit about the art it's, style. Uh, on the, I mean, in general, it's very well drawn. You know, as comic book because uh, I guess this is, I guess computers existed then, didn't they? But I think I'd argue in the early nineties, especially for like UK TV Time magazines, I think. 90% if not all of the art for comics was still very much a hand-drawn thing. You're traditional, you know, very traditional, where you'd maybe pencil everything, then put all the colours in. Um, but I, the general drawing of it I really like. You know, you can tell who each character is, the settings are very clear and all that sort of stuff. The main thing for me was that obviously most of it adopts colour-wise, like this red, orange, yeah. yellow hue. Like I was going to say that it's very dark in that regards because of the colours they chosen to use. It's very stylized. Yes. Um, I quite like it, but it is very dark. It is. It, it, I think there's some shots of in the overall comic, like the the very first panel of um, issue one. So you've got a shot of red dwarfs on the left. You've got what looks like Saturn in the middle and, you know, like this fiery galaxy and stuff like that. Do you know, you know what I mean? The very first panel. And then there's like space around it as well. I think that looks really nice with this color scheme. But then I think there are others where it just like the orange or yellow just dominates the the panel so much that it feels very washed out in that sense. Like there's not much room for other detail. Because I guess orange, I'm, I'm not an artist, by the way, so I've, I'm not proclaiming to know what I'm talking about. But to me, the orange orange and yellow are quite dominating colors. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like the, if they fill a lot of a page, that that is that is the dominant color. It's hard for other colors, I think, to like make their way in. Um, and there's just a, a few of those panels where I'm like, ah, oh, it'd be nice if, like, where are the blues? Where are your greens? Where are your... Because Red Dwarf itself, we I know we deride... Not derided. We had a go at series one and two for being very grey in the corridors, that very BBC yeah. studio grey. But especially from series three onwards, there's a lot more colour within, like, the Red Dwarf ship itself. So mm. it would have been nice to have seen a bit more of that. But, I mean, the stylizations go. I don't, I don't think it's bad. I just think it's very hit or miss depending on the... On the I think you're right. You're where at. I think it, it it really doesn't work as well is where it's... Um, I think, I think this, this, the captain's office, so where Lister is being yes. accused of, you know, having the cat and where's the cat river and yes, all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're very, it's again, it's all orange, but this would surely be a well-lit room. It's It looks like they're all in shadow. It's just, it just doesn't, it looks a bit strange. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, I think that's what what I mean by like the hit or miss nature of it. There's just there's panels of it that really were like I think anything that shows like space or like the red dwarf ship itself, things where you know they were originally that color like red or orange, and then there's bits to enhance it. But yeah, on, I mean, as I say, on the whole, I wouldn't say it's a bad art style or choice to take, but I just think it's very, it's a very like hit or miss one. And I wonder if because obviously the end, these three parts, it it, it keeps that throughout, doesn't it? It doesn't yeah. deviate from that. So I wonder in the future adaptations or if in the original ones, if they continue that red, orange, yellow sort of color hue or if they act or, you know, if they branch out or did they eventually go to 
just black, you know, black and white, because uh, that was still a thing, I think, in the early 90s. I remember reading some Doctor Who magazines from that era, the early 90s, and a lot of those comics are still in black and white, you know, whether it's for budget reasons or otherwise. They are, and I think I... I d- Despite having some misgivings about this overall orange hues, I think think I would prefer it to black and white. I never, I've never gotten on with black and white comics. For some have reason. you not? Not a fan. I, I find them hard to focus on, um, and yeah. fo- like draw my attention to where I'm meant to look. I think I find them quite busy, and um, and yeah, I've always found them difficult to keep my attention, even when the story is good. So I, I just kind of really struggled to. I don't know what, what the, that's just the way my brain works or, or something, but it's just really struggled. So all those early Doctor Who ones, I've, yeah. I've really struggled to read. Um, and when I think it was IDW did colorized versions of those comics um, mm. I, I, about 10 or so years ago, maybe a few more, um, maybe 15 years ago, they, they, I, I read them, some of them for the first time and some of them like tempting for the second time and actually got through them. And that yeah. really helped. So I think I would definitely prefer this to black and white. Oh, I would too. Yeah, I think Red Dwarf shouldn't be constrained by by the monochrome tones, as lovely as they can be. Um, one small difference I think I noticed in this adaptation is how um, how Holly's depicted. Not necessarily in terms of what he says, because like you said, the actual dialogue if you like and the progression of events is very much what happens in the episode i mean the dialogue's like almost it, it is word for word the same yeah there might be I, some lines missed out or something but there's not really anything that's not in the episode no it's a very solid adaptation in that sense but holly from a design perspective like his face is depicted there's there's one great panel where his face is like the dominant thing i think it's when he says three million years you know after dave comes out of the stasis leak um, his face is like portrayed to be like more angular, sort mm. of in a way like what what Crichton's is in the show, not to the same degree, but do you know what I mean. Like his cheeks, especially, look more angular and like around his head. He's been given, I think, like a slightly different hairstyle as well. He's got like a bit at the top of his head in the middle, and then two sort of hanging bit. And I don't remember Norman Lovett having that hairstyle in in series one. I mean, no. I, could, I could. Well, be he wrong. didn't. He, I think he had the side bits, and then. Yeah. Top, well, did they use, did they hang off like they do in this cut? They sort of, you know. Yeah, they're they're more exaggerated here, I think. In the, yeah, yeah. I think that's the word to use. They've exaggerated Holly's, and I don't think it's bad. I think in terms of him, obviously being yes, he's got a personality, but at his heart, he's still like a computer program. Um, I think the look looks all right. I just found it interesting that they decided to go for that, and I wonder if eventually, if these comics started including. Hattie's version of Holly. I wonder if she, you know, if she got a similar treatment. Like, is her face more angular, or is it just presented as was? I mm. mean, um, what did you think? Were there, were there any sort of minor changes or little little things you picked up on? Or uh, well, Captain Hollister is um, looks different. I'd say he looks mm. quite different from how he looked in the in the episode. His kind of just whole face just look. It looks like a different character. Chansky has similarities but she she kind of looks different as well she's got bigger hair hair i think she's um, blonde isn't she in the comic is, oh yeah that's true yeah she wasn't blonde yeah or she? maybe that's just the yellow hue i don't know but yeah i'm pretty yeah. sure the original katansky had brown hair but yeah because uh, when she when i first read that bit in the comic at first i was like who's this but then it's the panel where there's like the love hearts around lister and stuff like that and i was like oh right is this because i don't think she's actually mentioned by not in that page maybe somewhere else but i don't think she's actually mentioned by name 
in um, the or not, in that page. Not when he's interacting with her, no. No, but then, maybe later like, on. A reference to her later um, uh, that he wanted to take her to uh, to to Fiji, and it is the same yeah. it, character in the like the he imagines it, and it's yeah. the same character. So it that is clearly still Kachansky. That's Kachansky, a blonde yeah. Kachansky. The uniforms, interestingly, are more in line. They've drawn them more in line with what Rimmer's uniform is in series sort of three and four. Yeah, yeah. They've. I guess maybe they thought if they knew they were going to do more stories, it was best to have like one consistent look to the uniform as opposed to it changing as it did in, in the show, perhaps. Because, yeah, if this was around series five, yeah, maybe. That, that makes sense, yeah. And also... One one thing they did change, they didn't like like we said, they didn't change much at all, other than the looks of things. Um, we've obviously got they've they've taken advantage of the medium to mm. make the ship feel bigger. So yes. you've got huge rooms that you they just did not have the budget to create on TV. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, gaping spaces and like huge windows that look out to fantastical things in space that you can see in the background and things like that. But also yeah. one actual plot change is that in this version, holograms appear as completely grey. Yes, I, I now I, I, I must admit I quite like that addition that because it sort of gives the impression you know that whole thing of their 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 presence is there, but it's sort of lifeless. You know, the original life isn't there; it's merely a a hologram. Because mm. I guess holograms in comics are often depicted in that sort of one tone, aren't they? Like I've seen in comics where it's either like blue or white or gray. So I actually, I quite like the artistic choice of that personally. It surprised me at first. And again, I wonder if they're going to be consistent with it. Cause of course in this adaptation of the end, like you say, Rimmer, when he does become a hologram is presented in that, you know, grayed out style. So again, I wonder if in future comics with Rimmer, are they going to be, you know, are they going to stay consistent and stick with that? Or is it going to be a thing that, you know, just gets forgotten about. I yeah. One thing I didn't mention when we were talking about the fact that they are going to do original comics is that apparently, uh, from what I've read, do correct me if I'm wrong in the comments of the YouTube version of this, if if you know otherwise, but they're, they're not all set in the same continuity. There are oh. some of these comics which apparently follow on from the continuity of the novels. Um, ah, right. Which, which is also quite interesting. I don't know which ones nice. they are at the moment. Um, maybe we should hold off on those until we finish the novels. And of Perhaps. course, even the novels have multiple continuities. We've got the ones that we're <laughs> reading at the moment, the two that are sent. But then later novels are in a different continuity again. There's there's a whole multiverse of... Um, of a Red Dwarf <laughs> multiverse. Red eh? Dwarf multiverse. <laughs> one, one thing I did want to... To, to draw attention to was one bit of imagery that was in one of the um one of the issues where they Dave is talking about his plan his Fiji plan and yes. Ritmer is picking holes in it a bit and the pointing out that Fiji is flooded since the volcano went off and it's like three feet underwater or something like that. And, yeah. and he and of course Dave wants to create a farm there. So he's like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do with the sheep? Buy the water wings, fit them with stilts, uh, crossbreed them with dolphins. And what the comic, you know, that's a line from the show. But yeah. what the comic has done is it's visualized that. So you get yes. actually a panel with sheep that are on stilts. 
a half sheep, half dolphin thing. And yeah, it's it's a museum. And the one on stilts is kind of given this kind of like <laughs> amusing way waving to the sort of audience. Yes. No, I feel like like you said about some of the other aspects, it's re- that's taking advantage of the comic medium, really, isn't it? Making those ideas a reality. And I think, obviously, I know you say they do future echoes and that's the only other TV story they adapt, I think. Um, uh, I believe so, yeah. But it makes you wonder, like, there's so many lines throughout those first few series, mainly from Rimmer, you know, where he says things like that, you know, things that conjure up such imagery and it just it makes you think oh you know if only we could see more of that i guess that's what like it's sort of vision or giving an interpretation it's like when you read books like when we've read the red dwarf novels you know i think we said in our in our first review of infinity welcomes careful drivers that you know um it when it talks about you know lister's life before red dwarf what he has to do and like where he sleeps in a locker and all that sort of stuff it that's you in your head it's, it's almost like an author's read that and then scribbled it onto a comic book page and it's great it's great to see because i can't draw so it's nice to see an interpretation of that sort of scenario yeah another thing that they've taken from later series and sort of visually incorporated it into this story where it wasn't before is i noticed the quarters look very much like their series three and four and five quarters as well they kind of start yeah. the, the, the more white quarters rather than that gunmetal gray in the paneling on the walls is that kind of color as well that's it it's almost like they've taken the the elements you could say improved each to everyone's taste but you could say improved from series one and two in terms of like the the vastness of the ship and the the more uh detail and it's almost like they just inserted that into the which i kind of like because even though we say it's a one-to-one adaptation or near enough of the script i like the fact they didn't necessarily go the same with the visuals you know what i mean like they weren't just drawing from you know, screen grabs or photos of series one. They thought, right, we'll we'll depict these characters as they were, but we'll, we want to do it our way where we expand the ship, we keep elements of the current series that we like. Do you know what I mean? I th- and I think keeping those elements doesn't detract from what the end is as a story because a lot of them are, cos- are cosmetic rather than part of the part of the plot. Yeah, as it were. yeah, definitely, definitely. What did you think of Cat's entrance? I loved it. I think Kat's so... um, I love the way Kat's drawn in this. Uh, I actually think out of the characters we've seen thus far, well, in those three issues, I think Kat personally looks the best out of the three of them. I don't know about you, but just his... Like, there's that panel where he emerges from the vent and he's, you know, he says, how am I looking? It's a great standing pose of the Kat character and he's got that red jacket and and his waistcoat and his high boots and stuff. I, yeah, I think it looks really great. I love the entrance of it. Yeah, I, and talking of the entrance, I really liked that first panel before you even see him properly revealed. They they ramp up the kind of creepiness of it because they they having the vent being pushed open, and then you see the blackness of the vent with just the eyes, uh, yeah. the mouth with the fangs, and like a clawed hand coming out. So. You know, I mean, we know it's the cat and we know the cat's friendly. But at that moment, it's it's a very menacing image. Yes. Yeah. And I I love that. And there's a similar moment when uh, Lister comes out of stasis. And the, it's the funny bit in, you know, when he picks up the powder and says, what's this? As he eats it and Holly says, oh, that's the, well, it's like that was the cook or something like that. Um, they do that here. But the panel where he realizes is is drawn in a very like creepy way as well, where 
it's sort of Lister's, you can only see Lister's eyes and his mouth. The rest of his face isn't like drawn in, if you get me. And, right, yeah. Um, it's like a look of horror. It's just, it, it's similar way, I guess, to the cat in the vent thing. But yeah, I just, I like the fact we're seeing these different art styles that maybe you wouldn't necessarily pin to Red Dwarf. Because I think if you'd asked me what would a Red Dwarf comic look like, I don't think I would have pictured this, not in a bad way. Um, but I think it's very, like I said, it's very artistic. It's very stylistic as well, for for good or for worse. Because, you know, it depends as well if they, even in some of the originals, if this style is the style, then I think for the original stories, they'd have to cater to that, you know, in terms of like the planets they land on or the people they meet. Because like, say, if you were on a water planet and it's all, I don't know, all yellow, it just, I don't know. Yeah. That messed my eyes up, I think. But yeah. yeah. And well, I think it is the scenes. Because I mean, if you look at the scenes where, for instance, they're like, when he's imagining on Fiji, that doesn't have that much of a of the hue. It's got a very different color to it. You got the blue sky and um and the water and the the trees and things. I think it's still a little. It's a little bit orangey red, but it's. It, I think maybe like off the ship. I'm mm. expecting that they might involve some other colors based on that. Yeah, or maybe like saying these original adventures, if they're supposedly different continuities or different universes, maybe the art style changes. Yeah, and and might not be the same artist for every every story either. So the artwork on this one was um, a guy called Alan Burrows. Might not be him for the next story. Might not be him for future records. In which case, we might see visual changes in how they look and things. I thought the um, the likenesses were well a bit mixed. I think on the some of the close-ups where they obviously put in more effort, they are quite good. Um, particularly yeah. there's one of Cat, which is really good. Um, looks very much like... Um, it's after that one that you mentioned, where it's a, it's more of a just a close-up of his face. And mm. that looks... He's pulling a kind of weird, kind of snarly look. And it does look a lot like, uh, like the character from the yeah. TV show. But then there's other times when, especially with... Um, with Rimmer where depending on the angle his I think it's depending on the angle of where he's looking mm. sometimes it looks more like him and sometimes it doesn't yeah I mean I'd, I guess drawing people drawing drawing people who obviously exist that must I mean it must be such a hard job for any artist yeah. you know I mean I, I know I couldn't do it and I think for me as long as I can clearly see who that character is you know like meant to be even if it doesn't 100% look like them. I, for me, I can sort of look past it. Yeah. But I know a lot of people can't, which is fair enough. But yeah, it's a, that must be hard though, isn't it? Because I guess back then as well, the internet wasn't really a thing. So I guess they were mainly going off any like, you know, production photographs or any photographs they could get their hands on, I suppose. Mm. And if you can't get photos to cover every angle, then I guess you are left to sort of blind interpretation, I suppose. True, true. Good point. Yeah. Well, I mean, have you got any other anything else you want to mention from it? Well, nothing major, I guess. To to round off on, I was just going to ask you, like, because uh, we sort of mentioned it already, but considering this is this is the launch of the Red Dwarf magazine, right? Would you, if you were in the editor position and for your comic slot, would you have gone in with an adaptation of the end to start with, or would you have wanted to kick off with a an original comic adventure? Ah, it's a tough one. I mean, I'm always more drawn as a reader to original adventures. So mm. 
I guess my own bias there would probably drive me to want to to be an original one. But, you know, I mean, I can I can I get the logic of starting with this just as a kind of introduction. And then you can and as they do go off into original stories fairly quickly. Like, yeah, it makes sense, I guess. I suppose I, I agree with that as well. But I think I'd go with you for original content because I'm trying to think at this point, you know, 1992, if you wanted to experience the end, you, the VHS tape was out. Um, yeah, true. There, I'm sure there were some repeats as well between series. Um, you had Infinity Welcomes Careful Drivers, I think. Would that come out by 92, I think? Uh, yeah. Was that a bit so, before? Yeah. I can't remember. So, yeah. So, do you know what I mean? You, you could rewatch the actual thing. You could read it. You know, if this if this had been made in the early 70s, for example, you know, when VHS wasn't a thing or repeats weren't often or do you know what I mean? I, I would have got it more then. I sort of get it less in the early 90s. But like you say, I guess that it was mainly done for like that introductory purpose for those for those who might have picked up the magazine solely out of intrigue or from the cover or from word of mouth or something. And actually in the very first page or is it after the comic? I'll just have a quick look. So just after the first uh, the first comic, one of the articles in the magazine is literally a beginner's guide to Red Dwarf. So that sort of, I guess, reinforces our idea that, yes, this first issue especially was maybe targeted maybe a bit more so at those people who weren't as familiar with Red Dwarf as the Died in the Wall fans, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. In which yeah. case, it is a good thing to start with i guess it is and it advertises red dwarf t-shirts at the end and my little to round off my thoughts i i love this red little dwarf bit t-shirts the... do you say that you know we've got some of those you know we, if you we wanna, do if you want to buy them from our merch store just saying just and you know what you don't have to tear off a little bit of the magazine you know send it in the post and wait eight to 12 weeks or whatever <laughs> it used to be i used to hate that in my you know when you have to like write on the card and it'd say oh yeah it takes four to eight weeks or something like yes. that. Yes. Oh, I what a time that was. I disliked the idea of that so much that I never did it. <laughs> I think I did it once, but I had to beg my pet because they, you know, they were like, no, we're not doing this. I think I had to beg and it, it took You had to send a forever. check. Yeah. Oh, yes. Or like if it was something really inexpensive, you know, put 50p in your envelope <laughs> yes. and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Check or a um, postal order. A postal order. That's it. But I mean, my, my last little thing to close off on this, I love this little bit. It's at the end of issue one. And you know, every magazine has like a little next uh, a little next issue blurb to sort of preview what's coming. And, you know, as the things like Robert Llewellyn interview, the end, part two, Arnold J. Rimmer's diaries, etc. And then the last little thing, it says, plus another brilliant next issue advert. And I thought <laughs> that's, I'm like, that's, that's very Red Dwarf. I like that. that. Is. I was like, that's good. That's good. So... Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. You know, I of what I it was nice to see the end adapted as a comic. It looks very nice. Um but yeah, I think like we said, ultimately, even though I'm the relative newbie, I don't think if I'd have picked this up now, right, if this had launched now, I think I would have honestly skimmed through it. Do you know what I mean? The comic mm. part. If as soon as I see it was just an adaptation of the end, I would have gone, Alright, okay. I know that, you know, skim, 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 give me the articles, give me the interviews, give me all that sort of stuff. So if we touch on the comments again, like we said, I think we'll maybe dive into the the original adventures. Yes, absolutely. What about you? What are your closing thoughts on on what we've seen? Yeah, I don't think it's not something that I would probably reread. Um, it is a, I already know the story. If I want to revisit it, I'd probably go back to the episode. But, you know, the visuals, while being slightly, too one hue 
um, slightly too orange and red, mm. are still nice. And it's nice yes. seeing the expanded uh, thing. And I guess the most interesting thing about it is the, is the very small changes that they've made, like Rimmer being gray, holograms being gray mm. in this world. That's mm. kind of interesting. That's um, good. But other than that, I, I don't really massively see the point of it. As as it, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the original comics hold instead. I think I'm yes, much more interested absolutely. in those. Bring Would on you... the adventures of Mr. Flibble. Yes, especially those. Yes, Mr. Yeah. Flibble. I want to see the the Scutters, the yes. uh, Ace, yeah, Rimmer. Ace Rimmer ones. Oh, that and androids, of course, of course, yes, and androids. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I've actually just started rewatch it. Started watching Neighbors again for the first time in about 15 years because uh... it's ending. So I'm, it uh, is. I'm like, well, I want to see Kylie come back in that final episode and <laughs> yeah. I want to understand what's going on around it. But I'm just going to yeah. watch the last few months of Neighbours. Good idea. Good idea. So there we go. Um, do we want to give it a mark out of 10? I, we didn't discuss Ooh. this before we started the episode. but do... it's not. Um, I mean, yeah, as a comic, like forget as part of the magazine, if you like, as its own sort of thing, I'd probably give it, I'd give it a seven. Because I think like artistic, like the as I said, the way it's drawn is very good. the the style The styling, like I said, is hit or miss. But the ones where it works, I think, really work. Um, and as adaptations go, like you know, if as I've said, if you wanted a faithful adaptation of the end, then th- there you go. So I think, yeah, as an inter- if they ever release like a Red Dwarf graphic novel that was like all of these oh, comic that stories would be so in, good. yeah, yeah, if it was like all these comic stories in one book. I think I'd enjoy that more than as like part of a magazine, perhaps. But yeah, yeah I'd give it. I'd give it a seven. Why not? I would. What about I you? wonder. Talking about that, I wonder where the rights lay for this now because it was published by Fleetway, and I'm not sure if Fleetway ah. still exists because um, I know Fleetway from Sonic the Comic, which is a comic book oh. I used to collect when I was. Wasn't that was... the longest running Sonic comic? For a, for a while, or am I thinking of a different? You there might was be a Sonic comic that Archie got an award one. for. That's I, it, the Archie, the Archie, one, yeah. the American Archie one. But this was the British Sonic the comic, which ran in the nineties, and I used to collect as a kid. Um, and that was by Fleetway, but I don't nice. know if they still exist as a company or not. And if not, where? Um, uh, yeah, where's it default? Where, back? Cause, where do the because they must have because they must have got endorsement to some degree from the BBC and Grant Naylor to to even do that but yeah i guess who does it mainly forward does well, it fall to grant naylor does it fall to the bbc according so? i i don't know how the rights to the comic tie up with the rights to red dwarf generally and stuff but fleetway itself apparently according to the wiki in august 2016 rebellion developments acquired fleetway library from Egmont, oh, Egmont oh. um making it the owner of all comic characters and titles created by them but so that's the iffy bit to it. Like yeah. In 2018, it was sold again, I think. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> who It'll be, yeah, one of them tricky rights limbos where either it belongs with the, well, does it belong with the new owner? Does Has it defaulted back to the Grant Naylor, the BBC? Is it a split thing? Who really knows? But yeah, hey, you know, if they ever did do a graphic novel, which was all these comic stories comprised into one, I'd be interested in reading that. Definitely. In terms of ranking, I think I would give it a seven as well. Good art, you know, good art style generally. I like the mm. way the characters are drawn and stuff. Holly, the, the sort of more uh, angular Holly, I quite like and things like that. And the expansive ship that you get to see a bit more of and um, feel that it's a bigger, like the corridors feel bigger. 
just feels like a huge ship. And that's yes. really nice. Not so keen on the color palette, but uh, I could live with it, I think. Um, yeah. But it, but it's still got held back a little bit by the fact that it's just it's just the same story again. So, yeah, exactly. But I mean, take yeah. it and trying to I'm not trying to take too much off of it for that, because no, no. as a as a media, you know, as a comic itself, just looking at it completely as a comic itself, I think it's an interesting comic and I think it works well as a comic. So, yeah, yeah seven, absolutely. seven out of ten as well. Seven scutters out of ten. Excellent. Well, there we go. If you want us to cover more of these, um, mm. then tell us where to get hold of the scans. Yes. <laughs> Any and cheap eBay lots. We're or particularly have, interested you know... in those spin-off ones. I mean, we do want to see some of the, the the just general original Red Dwarf things, but I definitely want to see that Scutter stories. I definitely yes. want to see the Ace Roma stories. And a few and others Mr. There. Flibble. Mr. Flibble. Definitely Can't want to see Mr. Mr. Flibble. Flibble. So um, if you can point us in those directions, we'll be most please do please do we'll be back for another episode next week i don't know what we're Mm -hmm. covering yet we're flying Uh, we'll figure it out we'll figure it out (laughs) if you've got any ideas if you've got any ideas for red dwarf content that's not the main tv show then you know feel free to leave them in the comments of the video or dm us on twitter at the pod account which is at all dead dave pod so yeah you never know i might finish reading the novel by then Maybe. Hey, we'll get to it at some point. Don't worry. We will. We will. Until then, thank you for watching. Oh, uh, you can, of course, find us elsewhere on the internet. I um, and uh, Adam both have YouTube channels. Mine is Philip Hawkins. Mm -hmm. His is Adam Martin, which is just our names. Um, Yeah, just our names. And Twitter. We have the uh, podcast Twitter account at All Dead Dave Pod. I have a Twitter account, which is at Culture Filter. Filter being P-H-I-L-T-E-R. And what's your Twitter account, Adam? Adam Martin AMTV. Come along and follow us on all of those. Please do. And we will see you next time. Adios. Bye-bye.
dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead, Dave. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead, Dave.